Just a quick disclaimer before the interview begins. This video was shot on the 14th of September prior to the announcement of Phase 3 restrictions in Dublin and all restrictions at the time of recording were adhered to. Thank you for your patience and enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome back to 404. In this episode I had the opportunity to sit down with the current Labour Party TD and one of the many new faces of the doll, Duncan Smith. Would this be my first opportunity to interview a recently elected TD in a little over a year? I wanted to ask Duncan about what it was like running as a first time candidate, the pressure of taking over from a long standing and well established senior politician in Brendan Ryan, and what his thoughts were on the country's new government. This episode's a long one, but it contains an amazing array of content, so sit back, relax and enjoy. No problem. Uh, great for you to take a bit of time out of your day as well to talk to me. Um, first of all, I want to talk about just before we get into all the politics and labour and everything. Aside, if somebody didn't know who you were, how would you describe maybe yourself and your core values? My personality, or are we talking core political well, values? Core values of just in life in general. Uh, I think I'm a committed person. I think I'm there's a bit of a kind of grumpy contrarian to me as well, but uh, I'm loyal uh, and I'm committed and. I think, uh, I, you know, I like dealing common sense as well. Um, but yeah, like that would be kind of like maybe core personality traits. <laughs> uh, but, you know, in, in terms of how that transfers to my political life and the values, you know, I do, you know, for me, what inspired me to get involved was kind of trying to stick up for the underdog. You know, I feel Ireland generally always feels like an underdog. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there, a lot of groups out there that need a voice, that need assistance. And, you know, I, when I decided to get involved in politics, um, I didn't know it would take me on this road to where I am now. But once I started, I felt I was on the right road and I was doing what I should be doing. And I feel when I can give voice or help people, that kind of commitment and that, that loyalty and that bit of contrarian, grumpy element to me, I think actually actually helps in terms of getting the work done. So you joined, you joined Labour back in 2008. I did. Um, yeah. And then became a councillor subsequently in 2014. Yeah. So you've really seen the party in its highest highs and even some of its lowest lows. Uh, yes, yeah, I, I suppose I, I, I joined just after the uh, economic collapse, just after the bank uh, guarantee around that time. So I just bought, uh, with, with my partner now wife, we just bought our house down in Swords and we we're just going on with our lives and then everything happened and I just felt very vulnerable and I just felt I needed to do something. And I've said this before I know, uh, at this stage a number of times, uh, but that was the spark that went that, that inspired me to go from being someone who talked about politics, was interested in it, had my own views, to actually getting involved, to actually stepping over that precipice and actually signing on the dotted line and joining a political party. Yeah. But there is a big, um, there's a big difference between, first of all, joining a party and then deciding you're going to run for council, mm -hmm. or as you did then later on, uh, for the Oireachtas. But how do you find, how did you, first of all, come to the decision that you thought, okay, well, I'm going to run for council? Because it's not an easy decision to make, uh, stepping from a private life as a member of the party yeah. then out to the public life. There was a number of considerations that were happening at the time. We'd started to plummet in popularity and things were getting very, very difficult for us. And it was obvious to me that we were going to be losing a lot of seats in 2014. Mm -hmm. 
and that said, you know, in terms of where I lived, people my age, um, I didn't feel that we were being represented in kind of sorts where where I, where I ran in the local elections in 2014. And I lived and continue to live in the north end of Swords, very young population, young families. And I never felt that we got the attention that we needed from the council and that that, that voice wasn't heard. So I was inspired just by my day to day life in terms of what I felt we needed in terms of infrastructure. And there was a, a great uh, campaign, a Swords Needs Playground campaign, which was uh, not organised by me or anything like that. But I, I, I saw what could be done when people of my own age, of my own area, really got together and fought uh, for uh, community infrastructure. And, you know, I, I, I that combined with, I felt the Labour Party needed to put forward new faces, that people will support someone new if they're genuine and if they're putting themselves forward with passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, I think just about got that balance right. And I got the ninth and nine seats with a, f- a few votes to spare. <laughs> but it was that, like, I, I, I genuinely was becoming very concerned about the party, where the party was going, uh, the future of the party. And if we didn't run young candidates or new candidates in that election and subsequent elections, then we we find it really hard to come back because it was very obvious that 2014 was going to be bad and the subsequent general election, whenever that was going to happen, ultimately did in 2016, was going to be very bad and mm-hmm. both proved to be true. Yeah. Well, you're obviously one of the new TDs in the Dáil this term. Um, and I have to bring it up, you know, the recent poll numbers have put Labour on 3% recently from the most recent Red Sea poll. And you talk about, you know, the party needs to kind of almost reimagine itself to bring more younger voices in. Do you feel that the recent poll numbers have reflected all the work you've been putting in? Uh, No, they haven't. And they continue to be really disappointing. And anyone who says they're not disappointing or they don't make you angry or sad or anything is lying. Like, uh, it it really is disheartening. Um, Because... Like we are doing a lot of things right behind the scenes at the moment. You know, we've we, we've you know we've had new staff come in, and I think you know since the general election, I think we've been very vocal on issues. I think we're on the right side of issues. I think we've pushed stuff like personally, like I did a lot of work on the face masks issue and getting that back on the agenda. So real stuff that has had a tangible impact. Uh, and you know, I'm feeling when when I'm talking to people or when people are contacting the office or even through family and friends that we're, there is a positive feeling out there more towards Labour now. That they're saying, they're, they're saying things like, "I don't fairness, you you're you're you know you're you're out all the time, or you're very good on that, or you know, saw Kelly did this, or you know, like so that that sense that we're doing something better is definitely out there. You know, and the, but it's not. Re, re, it's not coming up in the polls and that's bitterly disappointing and I'm not going to what, gloss over that you know uh, and there's only so long that that can continue because you know the first election I ran in in 2014 we got 6% nationally you know I got 4.9% locally so like I've always run when our polls have been desperate uh, you know but uh, you know it's something that needs to needs to change needs to improve um hopefully as soon as possible but we are doing a lot of things i think right and i think if we continue to do them i don't think they'll stay that way forever because i do think the irish people when they do see uh, whether it's an individual or a party or a group uh doing well and you know and, and doing things with conviction and if they if that matches their views i think the support will hopefully start to come back to some some degree mm-hmm. Fingal has always been kind of a sort of a stronghold for Labour in a sense like they've always had encouraged electric potential I think the guts of 30 years 
um, and obviously Brendan Ryan before you was a long-standing member of the Dáil for around eight years as mm. well. Um, is this? Now I, I only ask this in the sense because I interviewed Noel Rock last year, and he's obviously obviously at the time he was only mm. recently coming into Dublin Northwest. I think it had been first Finnegan candidate since the nineteen seventies, yeah. and he talked a little bit about how it's always very daunting to know whether you'll keep your seat, especially in an area that you know you're the third seat coming in and it's always kind of fighting it. And you, in the most recent general election, uh, got in on the fifth seat, which is obviously nothing to scoff at. But do you ever look at the polls and get worried that maybe that will have an impact come if there was another general election, say, in the next few months or the next year or whatever, that you may lose the seat? Um, first of all, if I could just say, just on, on Noel Rock there, I'm good pals with Noel. Uh, we grew up... Uh, in the same area that we didn't know each other, but we both worked in Leinster House at the same time. And then we both ran in 2014 at the same time. And we think we were the only councillors who were elected in 2014 who were new councillors and we had two incumbents from our same party running in our wards and we got in. Uh, and I, I, on a personal level, I was very sorry to see Noel lose a seat this this, this year um, because he... Uh, my parents still live in Dublin Northwest and every time I go down there'd be another leaflet through the door from him and regardless of politics and ideology and I don't share an awful lot of Noel's politics there's no denying that he was an incredibly hard worker and uh, thoroughly good guy and uh, I, I generally wish him all the best uh, your question does it, do I worry I'm going to keep my seat because of the polls of course you worry of course uh, but you know you, you just have to keep going as I said we've been operating here with brutal national poll figures mm-hmm. for what I say here in Dublin Fingal for the last how many seven years 2012 2013 when things started going downhill from a polling point of view for the Labour Party but we've always delivered a little above our national poll figures in Fingal for the last since the mid 80s mm-hmm. and people will see that's when Sean Ryan broke through and got a seat in 1989 the reason Sean Ryan got a seat in 1989 is because he worked very hard as a councillor with another group of councillors through the 80s in the area. So we built that platform up. And what we always have had since then is a, a really strong group of councillors. Mm-hmm. So we've Councillor Sean O'Ruddy here, who's new and she's fantastic. We've Breen McDonough, who's just entered the second term in Port Marnock. You've got the highest Labour vote in the country. Fantastic. Rob O'Donoghue, who topped the poll. Uh, with votes out of Russian Lusk, absolutely fantastic. Uh, James Humphreys has taken over for me. He's absolutely hit the ground running. Um, I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting someone. Uh, we, we, we've a local area rep, Karina Johnson, done a bait. Portran, who just hit the crossbar, didn't get elected last time, but mm-hmm. will get elected next time. And we've always been on the ground. We've always had a strong, a strong local advice clinic system, which has been very important because Dublin Fingal. It's not like a Dublin urban constituency. It's not fully rural either. It's like. We've eight distinct towns, eight distinct communities, and then we have the villages and the rural communities as well. But we've always made sure that we had a presence in each of those towns, our TD, and I'm looking forward. My clinics will be starting in two weeks now. Um, uh, with COVID, there's been a delay in getting that getting that going. So I'm putting we put in place uh, as much buttressing and bulwarking against the national poll figures as as we can in in, in Fingal, and that means meeting as many people as we can doing our best for individuals who come to us with you know individual representations and giving that kind of personalized local kind of uh political service uh which i think we've done better and continue to do better than, than anyone else and that's been really really important um so but but yeah like you if you spent if I spent my life worrying about keeping my seat because of poll numbers, I I wouldn't sleep a wink, you know. So I just have to every day just have to get up and just keep doing the best I can do, and that's trying to be a strong presence in the doll, 
and also balancing that with key working with the councillors with a strong organisation in Dublin Fingal. And if we do that, we're just giving ourselves the best chance, mm-hmm. you know. And if I do well on the doll, hopefully, and I do well in my areas of transport and climate action, everything, then hopefully people might see that around the country and say, I like what that person's doing. I used to vote Labour. I might give them a chance next time and maybe that's how the poll figures will go up. We can just keep trying. Um, Just to go back a little bit now to November 2019, where you contested the by-election in Fingal. Obviously, at the time, I think it was kind of common knowledge that possibly you were going to be taking over from Brendan Ryan Mm. on the next general election. Mm. Possibly the by-election was obviously looking to gain another seat. It was also a chance to get you out to see the... uh, to see constituents from all over Fingal and try yeah. and get your face out there. But just walk me through a little bit about how did the whole decision making around you taking over from Brendan come? Was it more he wanted to step back from political life or was it more uh, Labour put forward yourself and asked Brendan if he'd be okay with it? No, it was um it was actually neither of those things actually. Um and thanks for the question. It's a good question and I I'm, I'm glad to have a chance to answer it because Brendan's been magnificent through this and if if people knew how brendan acted over the last number of years uh, uh but particularly the last year it's a template for how um many tds across all parties should be acting or, or kind of in terms of encouraging uh younger people not only to run for the council but also when to, to make that decision if they feel that you know it's it's a time in their life where they need to move on, but also we have to keep a seat and then also back someone new. You know, there's, there was a huge amount of responsibility on Brendan. Brendan kept a seat in 2016. He was the only non-Labour minister uh, to actually hold the seat. So that was based on Brendan's work. I worked in the office with him and, and Lisa, and then we had the councillors and our, our organisation here. That seat was kept through dogged hard work. So the expectation would be that if Brendan ran again and he was a selected candidate because we expected an election within a year uh, of 2016, that Brendan would run again. Of course, we didn't have an election in 2017 or or 2018. So the locals came along in 2019 and we had a really good locals up here. Again, we nearly got everyone over the line, uh, but we we had good locals. Claire Daly got elected that day, so we knew there was a by-election on the horizon, or we, we believed there might be a by-election on the horizon. Again, we didn't know there'd be a general election first. So we cooled our heels over the summer, and as an organisation, all this was done as an organisation, and Brendan led, and um, within the councillor group, um, it became clear that I was the preferred candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and that was done by consensus and you know i and i was happy to put myself forward after a long summer of thinking about it and it, it's a lot to think about because again i i wasn't predetermined or to to necessarily go to, to be a td it, with the by-election presenting itself i put forward as a candidate and then but we were very clear brendan was still the selected candidate for the general election but if the by-election went well, we'd have a decision to make. Mm-hmm. Now, we fought ourselves We fought ourselves into contention in the by-election. It was clear early on that Joe O'Brien was going to win the by-election. There was mm-hmm. no doubt about it. But we fought a really good campaign. And usually if a Green does really well in the by-election or something, the Labour will go down because we, we share mm-hmm. number of votes. But our vote held, like, I think, 15% in that by-election, which was really good for 
a by-election and we were really happy with it and it was a very positive campaign and we got great reaction at the doors and you know we we really came off the campaign buzzing uh, after it and uh, look if anything we feel we're in good health in Dublin Fingal you know we felt good um, but we had a decision to make then and Brendan ultimately had a decision to make and he said to me he said look I'm going to think about this the way everything up but at the end of the day I didn't win the by-election you know mm-hmm. so uh, and, and at that stage it became clear an election was coming down the tracks pretty quickly after Christmas we all expected one in early 2020 but true to his word he came back in the first week of January and he said look I've thought about it I've spoken and we think you should run we think you can hold the seat and that was it that was it and I was selected and then he went hammer and tongs for me like no one worked harder he directed my campaign he gave me great advice he was up morning noon and night didn't hold anything back rang everyone knocked on every door uh pulled in every favor people he'd worked for over the years for support and we again in an election where which was which in fain you know ran away with it and you know the greens got the green wave and everyone had a wave except for us we managed to hold the seat and so it didn't feel like a, a victory like there was so much pressure to hold the seat I wasn't like I may have been a new candidate but you know this was something we had that we had to hold it wasn't going to be anything extra so you know we we, we, we pulled it out of the bag through a number of factors not least uh, the way Brendan approached that whole period from the locals right up to that general election it was it was fantastic and everyone was on the same page everyone was working together and that's something that doesn't always happen within a party and uh you know i think we can be proud of ourselves internally as an organization and brendan particularly in terms of how uh those few months went because mm-hmm. certainly in Fingal, at least before the general election was called i think it was fairly obvious that uh, at least the two guarantees of people who are going to get seats was darrell o'brien and joe o'brien because mm. he won the by-election um, and nobody, well, I suppose a few, well, obviously a lot of people probably saw the Sinn Féin wave coming if they had all voted for Sinn Féin. Mm. But that was also kind of out of the blue. So the, it was really down to those last two seats, yeah. um, both between yourself and Alan Farrell. Um, and even there was slight contention as to whether Alan might hold his seat because mm. Fine Gael's vote had been declining in the area. But can you describe a little bit? Because obviously it was really tight anyways at the end between mm. um, for the fifth seat. So... Was it more a sense of, did you find yourself celebrating that you got the seat or was it more relief that you'd held on to it, as you were saying? It was relief. Mm. It was 100% relief. Um, because I said, like, being involved in this organisation and being, like, I was constituency organiser and then I worked in the office with Brendan Ryan. I directed Brendan's campaign in 2011, 2016, working closely with the councillors and the members. You know, you're, you've been through this journey together and everyone has put so much into it. You're, you're carrying... Um, their work and their expectations, their hopes with you as well. So um, it was, and, and the way the count went and it went into the second day, it, 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 it was relief. There was also um, I, 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 stuff going on in my personal life at the time. My, my, my best friend had fallen very ill um, uh, a couple of days before the election and then he subsequently passed away about a week later. But that you know i was i wasn't in any celebratory mood you know there was all, that was that was a real like constant on my mind in the count center and everything like that so it just felt like 
utter relief that we just that we that we'd held on because we didn't we didn't benefit from the vote left transfer left pact we were we were we were you know we weren't allowed into that party um you know we we we, we did we don't have a whole we didn't have a, any kind of wave of our own distinct wave or anything like that so we got elected on the fact that we got our first preferences like that's what got us elected and then we got in between the second Fianna Fáil and second Fianna Gael candidates and we just picked up a few transfers along the way and that's what got us over the line. But, you know, we didn't benefit from any uh, massive transfers from any, uh, anyone else on the left, which was which, which was a shame. Mm-hmm. Even, even after you got elected, like, Labour had a very busy few weeks after that because Brenton Howland subsequently uh, stepped down as Labour leader mm-hmm. um, and you were one of the two TDs, I believe, was to nominate Alan Kelly. Yeah. Um, how describe maybe what was the atmosphere like with Labour at that time? Did you all know that Brendan was going to step down, or was it a complete shock? No, um, I didn't have time to catch breath to even think about. It, it was so quick. Um, I suppose in hindsight, it might have looked obvious that Brendan would have stepped down, mm-hmm. but it just it just seemed to happen at breakneck speed. Like I I, I went in that day to Leinster House to I think it was to sign the register or whatever it was it was very soon after and uh, we had we started with a parliamentary party meeting and then Brendan just announced it there and then and then we were over in Buswell's half an hour later for a press conference to for him to announce that he was stepping down so it was it was absolutely as I mentioned I had other things going on where my head was at yeah. so I, I, I it wasn't shock and kind of disbelief and I was a bit I was personally a bit detached from it as well I think because I was new if there were any conversations going on or anything I wasn't part of them so I had no inkling that it was going to happen and I was very I was very I was very disappointed I feel Brendan Howland I think history within the party will judge him very well because he did an awful lot of things to steady the ship. And we had a very good local elections last year, which kind of goes underreported. We sent out 36 sitting councillors. We came back with 57. Like we got we got an awful lot of councillors elected. We got a lot of new councillors elected. Like Brendan was a big part of making sure we were organized, organizationally sound for that. We had a decent by-election. Like I did well, John Marr did well in Cork, George Lawler did well in Wexford. So we we were in. We, we felt we were actually in good shape going into the general election, and uh, it just didn't happen for us. I think the way and the way things happened with the way the election, we may talk about that. We just we just didn't catch a thread in that, and it turned out to be a difficult election for us. But I think, and Brendan, to, for me personally, working in the office of Brendan Ryan, I. I, I uh, when we were in government I didn't see Brendan Howland because he was a minister but I got to see him up close over the last number of years and see how hard he worked to see how committed he was to the party and with Brendan no matter what the public perception of him is no matter what anyone says about him I've never met someone who's more committed to the Labour Party and it was the Labour Party first before and getting the Labour Party back to health that was his sole political motivation over the last four years and uh you know, he put his heart and soul into it and I feel he got a bit unlucky more than anything else with the result of the general election because it certainly wasn't a reflection, I don't think, on his work or his commitment to the party. So, yeah, so look, when he left then it was, it was uh, decision time, you know, uh, and there was a feeling that we had to move quickly with a leadership contest in some fashion we couldn't delay, that you need to get off the, you need to get things going because you can't spend too long without a leader. And things just seemed to take on a momentum of their own after that. Because mm-hmm. it was really, I remember at the time when it was all announced, um, 
at least from an outsider's perspective, it kind of just came up one week and then you didn't hear about it for a couple of weeks and then it was back in the news again. But mm. at the time, it really could have been like there was numerous names from the parliamentary party going about about who might go for it. I know at the time uh, it was rumored that Jeff Nash might go for it, and there was obviously Adon and Alan Kelly were the two. Mm. Uh, I think it was always assumed Alan was going to go for it. hundred percent. Well, he made no secret that he yeah. want he wanted it in twenty sixteen. Mm. And then, look, a couple of times during that last term, he'd, you know, shot a few, made a few shots across the bows of the leadership as well, which wasn't, you know, a great thing to do. But he had always said he wanted to be leader and, you know, it was obviously he was going to put himself forward. Yeah. And how do you think, uh, since Alan has become the leader of Labour, how do you think his impact has uh, shown in, in the progress of labor as itself um if we're judging progress in terms of polls which you mentioned like obviously our polling is still the same but uh there's certainly new energy about us like i don't there's no denying that i mean everyone is firing on all cylinders in the parliamentary party uh, i mean like aon has been fantastic on education over over the from the leave and search mm-hmm. right through uh uh it's just been fantastic um Jed, uh, in terms of being a new finance spokesperson, is really starting to um, get into a stride on that. We have the budget coming up and he has such authority, uh, I think, from his industrial relations and employment affairs background and, and ministries and that. So um, I think I've done well as new person on COVID. And Brendan has really, I think, moved into that kind of uh, father figure you know, senior parliamentarian role. You can see that in Leinster House as well when he speaks. You know, people are listening. You know, and uh, on Brexit, I think he's 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 so rock solid on that, and that's going to come more into the fray. And uh, like I have like Sean Sherlock as well, just in terms of agriculture, uh, the meat plant stuff, and all the rest. So there's an energy that is there that wasn't there in the last four years. There's no doubt about it. And I think Alan drives that because Alan is a hundred miles an hour, and he is like just moving forward the whole time and we need we, we do need that we do need we do need that kind of leadership we do need to be moving forward and we do need that energy and i think it is impacting all of us in a positive way yeah and um, speaking of the labor party as a whole one of the sort of splinter cells that came off from it as there have been many since its inception but one of the splinter cells that came off it after its term in government with Miguel was the social democrats now with them having equal seating to yourselves in the doll, do you? I know Labour have talked in the past about possibly opening up a conversation mm-hmm. with the Social Democrats. Where do you see that sort of going in the future? Do you think they're destined to stay apart, or do you think they'll come back? To I, 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 I don't know what the future holds, but like I mean, I, I've I have a good few friends in the Social Democrats, you know, like and we have an awful lot of similar policies. Um, so on a policy by policy basis, I mean, we should be working together, and we do work together, and I think that's that's a good thing, and. Like I grew up in Fingers, first person I ever voted for was Roshan Jortal. You know, she was my local TD. So, um, that but, but to be fair to the Social Democrats, they're all, like I think there are people who joined that uh, Social Democrats, including like one of their like first leaders who had no relationship with the Labour Party. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know we have to be fair to them as well in terms of their identity and you know how the, how they've evolved over their five years in existence as well. And I think it can annoy both of us that. When it comes to the media after every poll it's like oh sure they sure why don't they merge so sure, there's mergers in the past i mean the merger of democratic left into the labor party in the 90s is a world away from the situation that, that exists at the moment between labor and the social democrats i think the media like to stoke 
kind of personal rivalries and personal enmities and all this kind of stuff between the two like as someone who's new to it i don't have them i don't want to have them i didn't get into politics to row with people i agree with you know i got in politics to stand uh, and and have the rows with people that i oppose politically and and you know do it stridently but do it with respect and and that but you know i i don't look at the social democrats as like my enemy i look at them as like we're on the same path yeah we're running under different banners and we're running under different flags and if we look if we're running in the same wards or the same elections we're going to be fighting for the same votes and that's just the way things are at the moment um uh, but let's just let's see how things go let's work together on some campaigns as they present themselves and you know i think we both have common enemies you know or not enemies. you know we, we have we could we go into politics to stand up against other types of politics not to stand up against each other and i think it only plays into the hands of the traditional parties maybe Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, but now it plays more in the hands of Sinn Féin now more than anyone if 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 Labour and Social Democrats are locked in a little like internecine civil war you know I mean that that helps nobody but those big parties bigger parties mm-hmm. yeah just to also touch on briefly um I was reading while researching uh, an old piece from the Fingal Independent uh in which it was just before the government had been formed and you were asked briefly on on whether you think they'd work and you thought maybe uh, and quote is um, I believe they will I believe there's a good chance the parties will work together well uh, but the proof will be in the pudding we'll have to wait and see so that's this current on, government yeah yeah so looking back on where do you think now with the proof kind of being there now how do you think it's going um I don't think it's going well but maybe not for the reasons I thought mm-hmm. um like uh, I think the actions of some of the Finn Fall backbenchers have been absolutely disgraceful. Mm-hmm. Um, like they're they're playing both opposition and government at the same time, and they're being massively disloyal to their leader, uh, uh, Michael Martin, and they just look totally lacking in match fitness. <laughs> you know, they look totally ill prepared for government. They uh, for a party that should have been rebuilding over the last ten years, they absolutely they look tired. They look uh, divided, mm-hmm. um, and they look lacking in ideas, and I think that's that's a, that's been a surprise to me. I thought Fianna Fáil would be the ones that would come with the energy and with you know w- would lead in this, and that Fine Gael would be the ones that would maybe be a bit tired or take the step back, and but it seems to have been the opposite, mm-hmm. uh, and like the Greens. In fairness, I can I, I know what it's like to be in a party that is a minority. Uh, party in a, in government with the two of the tr- traditional big parties in my case Fine Gael um, automatically before you even do anything there's people who just think you've sold out and you're like the worst in the world um, and that's not the case and I think the Greens have a particular mandate to deliver on a particular agenda and that will only be done through like national budgets and plans and legislation and the government's 11 weeks old they need a chance to do that so I know they've had one uh, TD or one t- two TDs now who, who who voted against the whip and uh, have had some sanctions on that. Uh, we may put that down to some teething problems or settling cracks or whatever, but, but we'll see how they go. But I think it's it's the division within Fianna Fáil and how Fianna Fáil have acted that I think has been the big surprise for me. And I think that's the biggest uh, concern, if that's the word, for anyone who wants this government to succeed. Be- is, is how united Fianna Fáil are going to be. Do you think, just uh, while we're talking about the current government, that 
obviously nobody could have seen COVID-19 coming and uh, the government initially starts out with Fine Gael leading the country through it mm. and then obviously now Micheál Martin is the teacher. Do you think there's still a bit of a almost, how would you put it, a dual leadership sense to it? You know, you always see the overactor making similar statements on topics that really should be in Micheál Martin's portfolio mm. as Taoiseach. Do you think that's a, a something that could harm the party in the future which party no. uh, well, both of them in general yeah. but do you think it's a bad message for the country as well when I, yeah I, I, I think it's not a good look and I think it certainly harms Fianna Fáil and harms Fianna Fáil because Fianna Gael are the ones who are flying high in the polls and Leo Varadkar and Simon Harris came out of that period that Covid period um, post uh, general election and pre-new government they came out of it very well personally people felt they led the country well and they communicated clearly um, so I think Leo's being a bit cheeky in terms of how he's going at the moment and uh, it is kind of undermining Michal Martin's authority as Taoiseach. That said, I think if the Labour Party did more of that when they are in government for Fine Gael, we might have been in a better position because, you know, it is very clear that there's two identities between the two. And I think that was one of the problems we had when we were in government was that you couldn't see a clear Labour identity. Now, we had one, but you had to dig deep into policy and you had to do analysis and you had to produce graphs and everything to show it, whereas it's very clear for the... Uh, man and woman on the street that Leo Varadkar is the leader of Fine Gael and he's saying this and Michal Martin's the teacher leader of Fianna Fáil and he's saying that and that they are two different so I'd say it's it's calculated uh, on Leo and Fine Gael's front um, but, I, but that said it, we are in a space with a pandemic whereby people are looking for clear singular leadership and they're not getting that at the moment and I, I, I think there there's enough time for Leo to do that if he wants but at the moment until we get this living with COVID fa- plan uh, published and more importantly uh, understood by the people then I, I think this government needs to kind of mature a little and just you know provide some real leadership and leave the kind of in, internal rivalries and that kind of nonsense aside. Um, your position in Labour at the moment is you're the party whip and the spokesperson on climate action, communication networks and transport. Um, if you were to look maybe, say, if, well, if this government lasts the full amount of time, where do you want to see that portfolio yourself or even outside of that at the end of it from your perspective? Uh, in terms of the country or where the... the well, what would you part- like to get out of it in your time with that portfolio? Um, well, I'd like... like key to me why, why I really wanted that portfolio was in terms of transport is... Uh, obviously I'd like to see Metrolink delivered and I want to see greater capacity on the rail line now that's in train sorry I didn't mean that that's happening at the moment but it's going to take a while for the carriages to arrive um, but what I ran, one of my key themes of the by-election was this quality of life piece in terms of uh, you know we're spending a lot of time travelling into work we're heading towards you know city centres for work or industrial estates, and we're not able to work in our communities enough. I'm not talking about working from home because we're you know that's been forced upon us, and that has some real challenges. Mm-hmm. But actually, having spaces, be it in Scaries or Swords or Balbriggan, where you can have shared workspaces, we're actually going to an office, and it may be an office for a multinational, but it's not in the city centre. So you're cutting your and this would be something work. It's done in 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 continental Europe, whereby with local authorities and the IDA that these workspaces are created, and people are able to just walk to work and they're 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 reducing their carbon footprint they're improving their quality of life and they are getting out of the house and going to work and they have that sense so i'd like to i'd like to from opposition be a voice for that agenda of you know reducing our need to actually 
uh, use transport and improve uh, you know uh, what's available to us locally in terms of work supports i also think that um I want to see, I want to improve uh, and be a voice for people with disabilities in terms of transport as well. Like, I think, you know, obviously we need cycling, we need, you know, cleaner forms of transport, but we also need to do the basics, like improve our paths so people who are who are wheelchair users are able to go from their house to their shop, which may be five minutes away, but they actually can't cross the road because that's not in place. We don't have disability officers in our local authorities advocating for them through development plans or operational budgets or anything like that. And this is something where I see I can actually be a, 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 a voice because I'm, I'm not in government. I'm, I, mean, I don't have my, uh, like I'm not in charge of the purse strings or I won't be directing government policy. But from opposition, whilst holding the government to account on those big things, if I can really push those agendas forward, I think I'd, I'd be I'd be pretty uh, happy with myself. I'm still reading myself into the climate change agenda. To be to be honest, I, I I'm meeting with an awful lot of groups and doing an awful lot of reading, and I I'm I'm, I'm not there yet. Being perfectly honest with you, in terms of you know having expertise or real authority uh, on on the issue, but like um, it, it is fascinating. It is where we need to go and. Uh, um, like spent like a two meetings today on it as well just mm-hmm. trying to be group so yeah there's an awful lot to do like the if you were to write my title out it's about that long you know i'm also whip of the party so there's an awful lot of work to do uh but it's it's brilliant and i'm, I'm really enjoying it and i have a real hunger for it and i'm just absorbing as much as i can at the moment mm-hmm. um i suppose my final question then is this is a question i always like to ask but i phrase it really poorly every time is um you're obviously quite new to politics in the doll. But let's say 100, 150 years down the line when, you know, both of us are gone. Um, yeah. How would you like people to remember you? Oh, God. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. That's a really interesting question. I was driving on. I don't have an answer. I'm just going to talk for a minute. Right. But I was driving. There's a new road, uh, uh, an orbital road around Donabate. And I was, dri- I was driving there with my wife the other day, and I noticed it had that the the stone. The, this road was opened on thing mm-hmm. by Mayor Owen O'Brien. My wife said, oh, you, "Like you were never mayor, you never had your name written on that. Like, the, would you like that? Because obviously I've never been mayor, and uh, you know, a split second I was like, oh God, yeah, uh, be deadly to have something.' And I was like, nah, I'm not really bothered by that. You know, I'm not really like I don't need my name etched in stone or anything like that to say I was here. Or I I. I, I did that, you know, or, uh, but whether it'll happen in 100 or 150 years, what I have enjoyed and what is very rewarding is uh, when a family or an individual you've helped comes up to you a few months or a couple of years later or whenever and just like kind of says thanks. Or you, like, and I've had that happen a few times uh, where you've really made a tangible difference in, in people's lives and, um that is that is that is the most rewarding thing that like that just inspire you for for weeks to come just one person coming up and saying thanks or that you really helped and that's great one thank you card through the through the letterbox like it's just fantastic but like i in 100 150 years time i don't know there could be an election you know next february and i could lose my seat and i could be like a a table quiz question in 20 years (laughs) who's the who's the shortest td in fingal history you just you know like I, i i just i just don't know i mean if the Labour Party comes back to a position of health and s- sustains itself again on, on, on healthy numbers, and if I can feel to, can I, if I've played a part in that, um, 
I'd be happy with that because that won't just be bringing the Labour Party back for the Labour Party's sake. The people, if the if the, the people will only vote for a party if the party's actually saying something. So that will mean I'd have done something with the Labour Party that would have resonated with people and people will believe again and will come back and will say, yeah, we do need a strong democratic socialist or social democratic party, whatever way you want to describe us, but we do need a Labour Party. Mm -hmm. And Duncan Smith was a good part of that team at the time and he helped get them back. You know, that, I, I, from a Labour Party point of view, I'd, I'd, I'd like that because I think that would, uh, I suppose, reflect maybe a broader influence on politics in Ireland and that, you know, people said, look, they were really low. They really hit, hit, hit rock bottom, but they came back and, you know, he was a part of it. I think that would be, be nice. But I don't need my name on a rock beside a road. <laughs> okay.